And welcome to the Sages Among Us. I'm uh, Mary Weaver. I'm your host tonight, and I'm joined today by uh, Dr. Deborah Jude York, um, who is the president of AAUW. She's had a very um, mixed uh, life experience, a lot of travel, a lot of different uh, um, jobs. And uh, welcome to the show, Deborah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about AAUW. What is it? What is the organization? What does it stand for? Well, it's AAUW is American Association of University Women, and it's a group up here. We have 115 members, a very active group of vibrant women engaged in earning money for scholarships for girls and women to attend college or to go back to college and also to get involved, younger girls in mid-school, to get involved in our Tech Trek program. So all of our efforts are to help build and educate women and help them pursue careers where they can also attain equity and good pay throughout their careers and have a nice retirement. And the uh, organization itself has a history. It um began in the 1800s and began in the 1800s here and uh, we've been doing scholarships here since uh, 1947 so we have a lot of roots in yeah Nevada I think County. I think the Nevada County branch is um, 1930 in the 1930s sometime excellent yeah 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 so you um, encourage women to go to, uh, beyond high school to college and to excel in their careers and attain uh, equity in pay. Mm, equity and pay, and also fulfillment in their lives with the work that they do. Yeah, that sounds like a great organization. And um, and we have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's get back to AEUW at some point, but okay. um, tell us, I know you're uh, originally from the Bay Area, but you do have uh, some roots up in this area. Um, but tell us about growing up. Where did you grow up and what was that like? Okay, so I grew up in Los Altos, which is now the heart of the Silicon Valley. It wasn't that at all then. It was prune and apricot orchards, and we were masters at uh, swiping dried apricots off the cots in the orchards and um, had a lot of fun exploring um, the trees and climbing them. Okay, um, and... Uh, I know that area well because I went to San Jose State, so I think that's pretty close. Yes. Um, so uh, you have siblings, or uh, what was your family life like? I have a brother who actually moved to Idaho after college. He also went to San Jose State, and he's he was an occupational therapist for all of his life. He's now retired, but he lives near Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And then your parents. And my parents, who moved from Los Altos to Lake of the Pines, where they lived for 20 years until they moved to Morgan Ranch. And they uh, passed away five years ago now. And um, I think you told me earlier that your parents were English, or uh, maybe not from England, but originally their family? Yes. Was. Yeah, my lineage is pretty much all uh, from England, so... <laughs> And okay. my and my great grandparents were born in Nevada City. My grandmother was born in Nevada City, and um, they're all buried down the hill from us. So I can say hi to great grandpa Elijah as I drive up um, the mountain. Oh, <laughs> it's very special. Yeah, 
Um, so um, tell us uh, a little bit more about uh, growing up in the Bay Area. Then uh, did you go to school locally and how did you decide uh, uh, what you would do for a career? Mm, interesting. Well, as a young girl, um, I was really active in Bluebirds and Campfire Girls, and I loved the um, badge books. Or we actually earned beads in Campfire Girls, and as I think back about those early experiences, I just it was so exciting to learn new things and to have those little books that gave you all these fun activities you could do and earn beads and sign off on them, and I and thinking about this, that was really the early beginning for me of self-directed learning and kind of the connection between work and reward. So that was a long, long time ago. I also remember um, selling campfire candy, those wonderful chocolate mints, and um, I somehow was really good at it. And I would go into all the shops, particularly the barber shops and beauty parlors in Los Altos. And two years in a row, I won the best, um, sold the most candy in the county. And I remember sitting on our living room floor with dollar bills surrounding me everywhere. It was very exciting. I really didn't know what money was at that point in time, but I knew it was kind of fun to gather it and surround yourself with it. So, so you were... Um Self-motivated and very successful an at early, it. An early entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. Who were some of your role models when you were growing up? I would have to say my mom. My mom had just endless energy and capability. I honestly think there wasn't anything she couldn't do. She was, she was much more technical and mechanical than I ever was. And she sewed beautifully. She had her own fabric store for about 10 years and um, made all my clothes and hung them up in the fabric store and... Between the love of my dad and the uh, go-getter of my mom, I think I had a pretty good childhood. And uh, so uh, what were some of your early jobs? Did you work at the uh, fabric store? I did work at the fabric store. I also was honored queen in Job's Daughters when I was in high school, and that's a two-and-a-half-year process of leadership skills, and I learned a lot from that. And I think both the campfire and the uh, Job's Daughters really helped me get a head start on my career. Um, so I worked at the fabric store for a long time, since probably fifth grade through to my senior year in high school. I needed to really work for someone other than my parents, I thought, at that point in time. They thought I would never get a job. I came home with two that afternoon. So I started working at Linda's Drive-In Restaurant selling hamburgers. And then I also worked at the VA hospital in Palo Alto. And I worked on the med surge floors, filling water containers and talking to the patients and all that. And I did 100 hours of volunteer work. And then I got a job there. My first job there was as a unit, a ward clerk. And it was great fun. And so did that inspire you then to get into um, the medical field? That did, and then I was very close to my grandparents, and this was just very important to me. I, my grandfather passed away when I was in my junior year, and he was a foreman at the Southern Pacific Railroad in San, South San Francisco, and I spent a lot of time at the hospital with him as he was passing, and I really decided that day that I would be a nurse, and I wanted to be able to take care of other people as the nurses had taken care of my grandfather, so I was really deeply motivated and that really carried me all through nursing school so you did go to nursing school um and that was san jose state i or? actually went the first four years i went to chico state 
And so I learned a lot of partying. I learned a lot about life, but I also <laughs> managed to get a bachelor's degree in nursing. And um, we also spent a year when you were in Chico at that time. We I spent a year at Travis Air Force Base, and then six months in downtown Oakland for my last semester. So it was really a broad, uh, really good nursing program. Uh, so you got the. Uh a BA there in Chico, and then you transferred to San Jose State for more education in nursing. Yeah, it wasn't quite that simple. Um, uh-huh. So I got a BS in nursing, and then I um, was working at El Camino Hospital in Mountain View, which was a really progressive, high-tech um, hospital system. I worked the night shift for a long time, 11 to 7, and I had an opportunity to fill in on uh, someone who was on a maternity leave, and I did a nursing education role for three months and decided, oh, that was really fun. So I wanted to do that, and I wanted to get off nights, so I went back and got a master's degree, which is what I needed to do to be able to get off the night shift and to work in nursing education. Uh, Both of my children were born during that master's program. They were 17 months apart, but um, I was determined to get it done, and I did. <laughs> so when you were, were working in nursing, were you um, in the emergency room? or? Um? I, I did a lot of different things. I did work in the, uh, the emergency room during the summer one time in Southern California, because I had a boyfriend down there, and then I worked in the OBGYN uh, unit at uh, El Camino Hospital, and I taught prenatal classes several years before I had my own kids. And I also then worked in the uh, cardiac unit as well. Well, that sounds like you were juggling lots of balls, being a, um, a mother uh, and uh, working as a nurse. Um, so somewhere along the line, you decided to uh, sort of switch directions with your uh, career and tell us tell us about that. Well, I worked at uh, we moved to Petaluma from the Bay Area, and I lived in Santa Clara before that, and then I worked at Kaiser in San Rafael, and I had the opportunity to be the nurse educator at San Rafael, and I really enjoyed that job. I really did like bedside nursing and patient care a lot, um, but I. With young children, I, it was hard to work all the holidays and working on nights, so I really wanted to get um, more of a predictable day kind of role. So I ended up in human resource development, ultimately. Then I had the opportunity to work for a woman. Her name was Dr. Ginger Lapid, and she was a Ph.D. in organization development. I had not heard of that. I knew nothing about it, but it sure looked like fun to me. So she said, if you really want to do this, and you're going to have to go get a Ph.D. So I said, okay. So I did. I enrolled in the Fielding Institute in Santa Barbara, and that was a four-year program. It took many people a lot more than that, but I had kids, and I needed to get done, and I was working. So I did get it done in four years. But most people think they don't know what organization development is, and most people say it's closet organizing, but not so much so. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I do have organized closets, but it's really looking at... Where as a doctor and nurse, you look at the patient, and as an organization development specialist, you look at the whole system as the client. And so it can range from a leadership development, executive coaching kind of work, management development, looking at work processes and how people uh, work together, doing some team building, and a whole lot of coaching and feedback helping people develop and grow. 
So would you say that you found your niche when you... <laughs> Uh, finally landed your PhD? I did, and really it was a progression of nursing. In my mind, it made total sense because I did care plans for patients, and I did, then I did kind of care plans for how to help this organization get from wherever they are and to wherever they need to be. So I loved my work. I absolutely did. I worked in, until I was probably 63, and I, I loved every bit of it. So tell us about your uh, different uh, jobs. You actually started your own business. I did. Um, I, I first started when I finished my Ph.D. I was working. Uh, I worked at Kaiser in the beginning of the Ph.D. program and then Clorox for the last two years. And then I moved to Pacific Bell where I worked as an internal consultant there for about three years. And when I left Pacific Bell, it was about 1992, I started my own consulting business, the York Consulting Team. And I had, a, I had an office staff of um, about four people and then a team of 10 consultants that did projects periodically with me. And I worked uh, a lot with uh, University of California at their office of the president in downtown Oakland. And they were kind of the system in charge of the whole UC system. And I did work with Applied Materials, which was the opposite of that. That was high-tech, and that was in Santa Clara, based in Santa Clara. But they sent me to my first assignment was actually in Japan with Applied Materials. And my son was trying to help my confidence at that time and said, well, Mom, they know you're not Japanese, so they hired you anyway, so you're probably going to be okay. You must know something they need to know. So after I learned how to pronounce everyone's name, off I went to Japan in the middle of the night. And I ended up working for years in Southeast Asia and Singapore and Taiwan and Japan, um, helping them with leadership development and team development. And also ended up working with IBM and there um, some people in New York. And we did a lot of work in Europe. One of my most fun experiences was working with a, a management project management marketing team. And we started in London and worked our way down to Nice in France and I my job was team building with them so I on the train from France to from England to France we did a lot of fun team building exercises and work together and then we did the work in France so that was very exciting. Well, you're a long way from Los Altos, <laughs> traveling all around the world, working. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and a long way from the fabric store. <laughs> mm -hmm. I could never sew. It was not, not I tried really hard. And what, what did your parents think of all of this? Um, they... <laughs> <laughs> They hung in there with it. They, I, you know, I stayed really close with them throughout their life, and they, I'm sure, were nervous about me um, leaving and traveling around the world by myself. But it, you know, they, the companies took really good care of me. It was. I remember arriving in Japan and them giving us. My son went with me at the on that trip, and they gave us a sign about return us to this hotel if we're lost. And boy, did we cling to that because you couldn't read any signs anywhere. We had no idea how to get anywhere, but we, it was it was really a good experience. Yeah, during COVID, I played a game with my kids where I think it was on Google Maps where they dropped you in a parts unknown somewhere in the world and you just had to read signs uh -huh. and 
figure out where you were. Ah, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, fortunately, I had a driver most all the time there, and they got me where I had to be. And it was interesting in Asia because they always assigned someone to help me. And, like, I would have a, a local partner that would make sure I could eat and take me to places. Europe, you were really on your own, and that, was, that had some really interesting experiences, uh, trying to find client locations, driving uh, in Europe, and... Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and, were, and were you solo most of the time, kind of out there on your own? Or? Uh, yeah, most of the time. I, it took me about four hours in, in uh, France to get to uh, from the airport to where I was supposed to be. It shouldn't have taken that long, but I honestly had no idea where to go, and they had all these roundabout trip roads, and I couldn't put the car in reverse. And so finally <laughs> when I got it in the parking lot, I just turned the car off and said, I'll deal with that later, and, and hopefully someone will help me get out of here because that that caused me a lot of grief. I made a wrong turn and got stuck in an alleyway <laughs> in my high heels business suit. I had to go down in a ditch and have these construction workers back my car out of the alleyway. So I learned a lot of um, how to be resourceful. Right. I, I can remember <laughs> being in France and uh, at the post office trying to I don't know, do something, and uh, I just broke down in tears. Yeah. You know, sometimes traveling can be... It can be, but uh, you can learn a lot, and it really taught me how to think on my feet and try to figure things out that I had no idea how to deal with it, so... And you are listening to The Sages Among Us. I am Mary Weaver. My guest today is Dr. Deborah Jude York. She is the current uh, president of AAUW, so maybe we should um, circle back to AAUW and talk about the organization and um, what it, ha it uh, has planned for the next year or two under your leadership. <laughs> okay. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's been a really fun experience so far, and uh, we have a lot of things going on. It's so exciting to come out of the pandemic, although I have to say we did incredibly well with Zoom to keep ourselves going, and uh, we learn, all learned the technical skills. We didn't always love it, but we, it worked really well for us, and our branch was able to stay very active. Uh, where many organizations were losing members, we gained a lot of members dur during that time. We currently have 115 members in Nevada County, which is which is pretty awesome. I've been especially interested in the programs this year, and we offer a monthly program to our branch, and we also open those to the community. Coming up in a couple weeks in October on the 15th, we're doing a program on reproductive choice and um, some local talent here, Lynn Wenzel, it, uh, has written a program on the Abortion Chronicles, and we will learn a retrospective uh, tour, actually, of women's stories, true stories of women before Roe. And so this is what was really life back between 1946 and 1973, and what were those choices women had to make, and girls, really, a lot of young girls during that time period. And so we, we don't want to go back to that at this point. We want to... Um, help women and girls further their education, go on to college, and grow up before they they have their family. And, uh, and Lynn Winzel is actually a writer. She's published in the Union, but she, she's done work for the New York Times and uh, Ms. Magazine and other things. And she's actually written, it's a um, writer's theater. It's a play that she's written to mm -hmm. um, to bring these stories to life. 
So that should be an interesting program. Yes, and several of our members are actually going to be readers in the program. So that's in uh, coming up in a couple weeks. In November, we're going to have a group of high school students um, in a roundtable that will talk to us about what it's like to be in high school in 2022. So we expect to hear a lot about COVID and what that experience has done to them and their education and also what challenges they face uh, in school today and what works really well for them. Um, next year in January, we're going to also uh, we're going to talk about climate change in Nevada County. Our programs are all open to the community, so they're 9:30 to 11:30 on the third Saturday morning, and anyone is welcome to come. Uh, we're also going to have a program working with the Bright Futures for Youth in March. That it's going to be on resiliency skills, and then in the middle in February, women in art. So I'm looking forward to a really exciting year of programs, a lot of learning and growth, and fun times together. And so tell us about the women that belong to AAUW. They're um, pretty amazing, aren't they? Yes, absolutely. There's a lot, um, a lot of high energy, really bright women that are interested in working to uh, help raise funds for scholarships for girls and for women returning to school and also for our Tech Tech program. Uh, we also do a lot of uh, interest groups that I think is unique to our branch where we um, have several book groups, a nonfiction and a mostly fiction group. We do arts and crafts. We, I lead a writing group, which I haven't mentioned yet, but I'm also writing a novel and decided that once I retired, I started working on genealogy and then I got fascinated with one of our family stories and I, I am now 400 pages into a fiction novel that takes place in England, in Marquette, Michigan and Humboldt County, California. So the writing group is really fun. We also have a great decisions group that studies foreign policy, and we have some really exciting, robust conversations about what's going on in the world. Yeah, I, um, I actually belong to AEUW, and I signed up uh, for a talk on climate migration. So I'm really looking forward to researching that. It seems like people are leaving Nevada County, um, but on the world stage, too, uh, things are really changing because of climate. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and that's the kind of thing that they discuss in uh, Great Decisions, which is uh, put on by the um, Foreign Policy Association. Yes, yes. It's a great program. Really, they, they develop a video program for each uh, program. There's eight programs each year, and we have a workbook, and we have really robust discussions about some really interesting topics. Well, it sounds like an organization that where you can really be a lifelong learner and be stimulated and, and involved. Yes, very much so. So I can see how you applied your, um, your background and your career to, to what you're doing now with AAUW. Absolutely. There's kind of a common theme, I, I, when I think back on it, with early learning experiences and I think really I have loved lifetime learning and I have found that that's really been uh, paramount in every, everything I've done. And if you can learn how to learn, you can actually do anything. And it's, it can be reading, it can be writing, it could be trying to do something and f trial and error and failing, which writing is certainly that, finding a coach, f getting feedback from other people. But anything you can do to learn something new is, it's got to be helping the brain. It's got to be <laughs> stimulating those neurons. Um, and I've always loved a blank piece of paper that is just 
to me, a blank piece of paper just is so many possibilities of what it could be. <laughs> and so I, have, I get very excited about that. So. so you sound like a real asset to Nevada County. Can you tell us um, how, how you happened to come up here and when was that, that you actually moved up here? We, um, well, actually it was kind of, we came regularly to visit my parents at Lake of the Pines, and then they took a vacation across the country in their motorhome, and we came up to check on their house, and we came up to Nevada County, and my dad had taken me up on Banner Mountain, and for some reason I just fell in love with Banner Mountain, and so I took my husband up there, and we weren't really thinking of moving or thinking of buying a house at all, but we found this one lot, and we said, oh, if only it were on a cul-de-sac, we would be here in a day. And we went up the road a little farther, and we found Victorian Court, which was a cul-de-sac, and we found a house that was, it was a spec house that was in process, and we just fell in love with it. And so we we moved up here in 2004, and my husband um, was here full-time, and I kept working until 2015 in the Bay Area. So I went back and forth every other week, and worked with clients in the Bay Area and still continued to do my travel until I retired in 2015. Did you take the train from Auburn or? um, I did once to visit my son. That was really fun. But no, I drove. And then really I just kind of wore out my accelerator foot after (laughs) all the years of traveling. And darn, in today's (laughs) work world, you could have just stayed home and uh, worked from home. Yeah. As a consultant, though, you really need to be there. And, yeah. You know, you have to establish your presence. But I did do I, the weeks in between when I wasn't there. I did a lot of work from home and a lot of phone calls and that. We didn't have Zoom back then. So you moved up here 20 years ago or so. Yeah, I can't believe it. Yeah. And and what uh, what kinds of other activities have you been involved in in the community? Well, when we first were here, and my husband and I both led a 55-plus group at Twin Cities Church in Grass Valley, and we were quite active in that. Um, we've also been really active in hiking and exploring the area, and um, we have five acres, and we do a lot of um, work with the trees and taking care of the forest, and it, it's a really full-time job managing the property there and our dogs. We have two dogs, so... Uh, what would you change about uh, Nevada City, Grass Valley, Nevada County area um, if you could um, enhance something? Or mm-hmm. um, what what do you see as its strengths and its weaknesses? Well, there's into the strengths. There's just there's a lot of activities here about anything anyone is interested in doing. You can find something. Um, I found it a little bit hard as a professional woman with a PhD because it, that's kind of novel for this county so I don't I don't really ever say much about that it'll probably be a surprise for people that might hear this to know that even because it's it's just not something that um, seems to be important if it was a a more of a college town it probably would be but it's it's something I kind of keep on I keep in the back burner to myself but um, it certainly as a woman was critical to my career success because I entered the field of organization development as an independent consultant um, at kind of at the top and so that gave me the confidence I needed to enter what was predominantly a man's field at that time and certainly you know still is but um, that PhD by my name made a big difference and in a lot of the in getting a lot of the clients and the work that I did. And if you could change something about the area do you um, do you see any anything that you would like to be different 
Well, I, I really do support the girls. Yeah, we have amazing girls that are applying for scholarships in our area, and we would love to be able to give out a million more scholarships than we do. They're, the talent in this community, the young girls, are they're just so bright and so engaged in extracurricular activities and working and just really uh, pushing themselves. And I, I would like to see us really expand that and expand our support of what can we do to help make uh, the high school experience uh, even better for people and to help make help them to get into college and, and then start their families when they're ready to do that. Um, what kind of uh, dollar amounts do you pass out in scholarships and Oh. It can range from um, for $500 to help someone go to the community college where it's free tuition, but they need some other additional support for books and lab fees and other things, to uh, we're now able to offer uh, $4,000 scholarships for uh, renewable scholarships for a couple girls anyway each year that can continue to finish their degree. We're not quite quite able yet to do full support. We're going to have a fundraiser in the spring and the end of April called Tapas and Trivia, where we hope to really raise um, a substantial amount of money that will go directly to supporting scholarships, perhaps even for specific kinds of degrees that, that organizations might want to support. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Lots going on. <laughs> I, I, I should say so. Um, so uh, when do you intend to uh, publish your book? Well, I would say, uh, realistically, given that I'm being president this year and potentially next year, um, it, it's a long process. I don't have a specific deadline. I have finished the first draft, and I am halfway through the, the, the revision draft. So um, it's moving a lot faster now. So I could be finished in the next year or two. Thank you, Deb. Thank you for being... Um, my guest today on The Sages Among Us. You've been listening to The Sages Among Us. I'm Mary Weaver. Thank you for listening, and um, see you next week. Thank you. <laughs>